a timberman want with being a wiki? Just looking to earn a living. It's like any man. Starting new. On the run. Keeping secrets, are you? No, sir. Watch you spill your beans. Hey everyone, welcome to Amtrail Tours. I'm your host Mike, and joining me as always, hey guys, Brian, and we have another, you know, janky car record uh, recording session on my on the handy dandy phone microphone. But you know, it's another uh, like right out of the gate. We've been doing this, I guess, a lot more recently in the last few months. But uh, yeah, we just saw a movie, and I think this is a really good time to just get our initial thoughts down and and uh, you know talk about this movie. But Brian, what movie did we just see like five minutes ago? Uh, we just got out of The Lighthouse by Robert Eggers. Yeah, Robert Eggers' second film. First first film, The Witch, came out 2015 to much much critical acclaim. Uh, kind of you know add. I thought I thought I mean just talking about The Witch briefly and Ro- and Robert Eggers. Uh, I really enjoyed The Witch. I, I definitely really liked the... the Because per- I think with the second film, you kind of see that too. But especially in The Witch, he comes at his writing with more of like a folklore, heavy, research-heavy perspective. And I really appreciate it. He's also a very slow burn of a director. Kind of very much reminds me of Ari Aster. But, yeah, a little bit. But... I so I definitely really enjoyed the witch. I, I'm I'm actually after seeing this, I'm very curious to see if he's any short films uh, available anywhere that I you know we can watch or see the early any any early screenplays or anything because he's definitely especially after the lighthouse, he's definitely proving to be a very interesting uh, person in modern cinema. What, what 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 are your thoughts on Robert Eggers going into the lighthouse? Uh, I mean, I saw The Witch a few years ago, um, and and then it was that was like the long experience to see it with for the first time. It was with a bunch of friends who weren't taking it nearly as seriously as it should have been, and I, and like I I was taking it seriously and I liked it, but it just it was with the wrong crowd. And actually, I don't think I've seen it really all the way through since after that first time. So that's unfortunate. But I do remember standout moments, particularly the writing, but also like the direction and. Um, and it wasn't like creepy per se, but it was just like very competent and very I'm trying to say it cause it's not cause these, his movies don't creep me out and they don't scare me, but they're very interesting. I guess like meditations are a way of saying it. And that's what strikes me most about at least the witch and now more so with the lighthouse. So going into it, I just knew whatever, whatever to expect would be good, but so also, so I guess we can get into our conversation about the lighthouse. So full disclosure, like this is my second time seeing the movie. Very, I guess it's kind of very similar to how we talked about our midsummer discussion, where I had seen the movie, kind of processed it, and then came back with you and kind of had, and, and I was looking for things on a different perspective. So uh, I saw this movie last night. Anyone that follows us on Twitter will know that. But so I, I had a full day to process what I had seen, and there's not really much discussion forums because the movie, I guess, became wide released yesterday, at the time of this recording. So I went on the Reddit to try and see what people were saying, and it was a lot of like positive stuff, which rightly so, but no like deep dive into or analysis of the film. So I've kind of had to just sit back and process and kind of look up a few things here and there, just what I thought maybe like uh, relevant to the discussion, but. 
let's get into it. Brian, what is your first impression of the lighthouse walking out of it? Uh, I liked it. Awesome, awesome cinematography. Uh, probably one of some of the best I've seen this year, if not in quite a long time. Uh, I love the, his choice of black and white, which actually I was, I was explaining this to my friend on, he actually wanted to see the lighthouse as well, but he was like, I don't know about the black and white. And I remember I was explaining him like, actually black and white when done correctly is, is actually way, well, it's stylistic and it's done for a purpose usually. And like in this case, uh, it, it, it directs the light, it directs your attention and, and just like the framing of a shot. Well, and the, and the will, contrast that, yeah, that and the, the black and white images well, it's just a, it's, like, it's just another way of telling the story. And so I knew like that was going to be interesting and awesome, but also going off of his dialogue and writing, just from The Witch, I knew I was going to see something special here. And obviously Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe are grade A actors, so I was expecting nothing less. Um, first impression though, yeah, is I liked it. Uh, I need, I definitely need to see it again. But yeah, because I remember you, you just said walking out of theater, like your your initial impression was like, I need to watch it again because there are things that I totally like that was way above my intellectual pay grade. That I, and for me personally, that's I know I was definitely missing stuff, but also the dialogue I needed. I wish there were like subtitles or something just so. I could like process what was being said and then tie it back later. But I mean, first impression is I I thought it was great and I liked it. Yeah. And I'll echo like very similar things. When I, when I first walked out of the movie, I, uh, again, very similar, very, I enjoyed it. I was, I was engrossed the whole way through and I was really excited for the movie because I had no idea what it was going to be about. Yeah, I was, I, me neither, and I was never bored at all. Like, I was like, what is the angle? Like, just from the trailers and the lack of, other than it's two lighthouse keepers and something is going on, uh, I I went in just trying to figure out what the angle, angle was, and I was never bored. Even the second time, knowing what was going to happen, I found myself engrossed in this world that Robert uh, Eggers has created, with his brother Max as the writers, but you know, with Robert Eggers at the helm directing this, I was totally immersed in this world, even the second time through, seeing it pretty much 24 hours later. Um, Again, I wasn't bored at all throughout it. Uh, Yeah, the dialogue was definitely a concern of mine going into the movie, is what I heard, because it is, again, like I said, the research for it, very, it's it's a period piece. Um, The dialogue is, is taken from writings of the time, and journals of lighthouse keepers of this area so it's very period specific dialogue as well and accents i'm assuming so it's it's you kind of get it you can get lost in the in the jargon and in in the vernacular but i think with the the excellent pacing of the script and the acting you can piece together what's going on yeah when i couldn't understand them i i was trying but then I, but then basically I was like, they, I got, I got bit, I got piecemeal. Like I understood what was, what they were saying, why they were saying it, but like the particulars is why I want to rewatch it again. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's, let's kind of break down each segment. Let's, let's talk about this, like the script and the story first, because you said something very interesting to me when we left about Robert Eggers as a writer director. Yeah, no, I said he's one of the best writers I think 
in this like modern generation of filmmakers. He kicks the shit out of like someone like Tarantino or uh, I'm just trying to, I mean, I'm just like the only name that's really coming to mind right now is like Tarantino, but like, cause I don't want to say he's better than Paul Thomas Anderson cause I don't think he is, but he's up there as one of the, one of the greatest writers, I think right now who are making movies. And, but so you said though, that this, a lot of, was a lot of the dialogue, like, did he still write it or was it taken from journals and stuff and kind of just like, it's like an amalgamation. Well, so, I mean, it's, it's like using vernacular. Like, it's, oh, I'm sure it's it, original but... dialogue. Well, it's interesting. So, I read an interview last night after this, and the way that he, that Robert Eggers and his brother thought of this concept was they were doing research, and I guess they found, they stumbled upon this story about two lighthouse keepers named Thomas, and one of them died, like, midway through. So, it's this one... So it, it's so throughout in real life, it's just this one lighthouse keeper that has to maintain everything because they're just cut off and they can't, there's no communication. So that gave them the general idea of having two lighthouse keepers named Thomas. Um, and then they kind of got the broad strokes and then they started, I guess they started looking into Greek mythos and mythology and, and then they kind of got the more finer points and then they went from there. And that's the one thing about this movie that I wanted to say to you and the listener is that go into this movie very much how, like, the witch is a folklore. This is the exact same thing in that it's like, so the witch is, is being told, well, I would imagine, like, if someone from the Puritan times talking about witches and in this fear-mongering paranoia, like, this is how they would tell a story about witches. And this is how I would imagine, like, seafarers would tell a story or, like, lighthouse keepers. This is, like, the story to you know, keep them up at night or like the foreboding tale. And I feel like that can help narrow or it can, it can help not, I don't say enhance, but focus what you're looking for in the movie. Because I think that this movie has a lot going on and that doesn't mean it's unfocused. It's just a lot to process. So you're trying to process what they're saying, what's going on in the movie, you're following the script. And then there are these themes of identity and then there's the references and the allusions to Greek mythos, and there's a lot going on in the movie. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, so, well, I, so what do you think? So the one thing that, and I want to kind of mention this, this, this anecdote before this, this movie, like I said, go in with thinking it's, I'm not thinking, but just taking it as like a folklore tale, like anecdote. And I think, cause so the, the theater that I saw yesterday, as I was leaving, it was like quarter midnight. And this couple left and they were behind me and they were having a full on argument about this movie. And I was like, Oh great. Like facilitating movie discussions. It's great that people are going to have disagreements, but they were arguing about the timeline of the movie and how much time actually passed and who was telling the truth. And they were like in the parking lot. What were they saying? They were just like, oh, well, this character said they were there for four weeks and that he's there saying there's for five days. It's like the complete, it's like, doesn't, it's not the point. They're kind of focusing on the wrong things. I'm like, oh, I wanted to say, I think it's great that you're putting so much effort into this conversation, but like, you're kind of, but what's, but why, what's the counter argument besides, okay, well, no, I'm right. No, I don't know. They were just saying, no, you're wrong. But like, that's it. That was it. That's why I was like, they have an argument though. If there's nothing really like, okay, yeah, sure. 
So he's telling the truth. No, he's telling the truth. Yeah, but that like, was what they were they were going in a roundabout they, but, well, circle. How did they distinguish who was telling the truth? Well, I didn't listen to their whole conversation. I just, but that's what I mean. Like they're focused, like they're focusing on an aspect that brings, te- in my opinion, that brings tension to the story, but isn't the main focus. Like this isn't the thing where you're paranoid about who's telling the truth. Is he crazy? Is he not crazy? Is he being manipulated? I think that's an aspect and a component that keeps you on your toes and keeps you engaged. But it's more about, cause going through the move, the film, I was like, are they the same character? Is this an older version of him? Towards the end, I kind of ditched that theory, but in the beginning I was thinking, or maybe the midway point, like when he kills the gull, I was like, oh, I think they might be the same character, but I've, I since have, as the film progressed, I changed that narrative. Um, I don't really know what the point of the, the, the film is though. I think it's just a very interesting exercise of, I don't know. What do you think, Brian? Uh, that, that's a good question. I, I mean, like, well, what do you, about, what do you think about these ideas of identity? Well, no, and I, I'm trying, I'm trying, yeah, I'm trying to still, cause there is a lot in this movie. I know from a first viewing. Which is like the be- I think honestly the best movies require several viewings, uh, or at least like the more meatier films. And like I definitely need to watch this again. But I mean, it's definitely like a it's intentional. Obviously, all of these like beats, and it's like intentionally confusing and convoluted, and that it's like the timeline's all messed up, or it's like. Or it's not even messed up. It's just it's it's self contradictory, and um, I'm just like really trying to think of like how to best distill. Because I was definitely like thinking of like I definitely had ideas of what this was about in my head during the during the movie. But like there's just so much there's so much imagery going on here that like it's hard to kind of like take everything bouncing around and then like put it into something comprehensible that doesn't just sound like blah and the people and people who've seen this movie will, I, I hope will understand what I mean because it's like yeah the, the the stuff of identity but then the stuff comes into play with like the mermaid uh the guy he killed like all of these components come in like they go into the stew but I don't know how yet. So it's like these pu- the puzzle pieces are still there, but I don't know where they fit. Uh, but there's definitely like some sort of like dual personality situation going on here. I just really don't know what it means. All right. Well, let, let's let's get away from like the themes of it and let's talk about the script in itself, because I thought the pacing of the film was excellent. And I really like the slow uh, release of information was, about the characters. It was like almost Shakespearean in a way, like just the way like some of these things were written, and also like that. I mean, I the thing that I remember most vividly was when um, Willem Dafoe was cursing, was like literally cursing uh, Robert Pattinson's character, and like foreshadowed his death or whatever happened the the final scene. It's like there's just like this really weird like. Like, I'll curse you, blah, blah, blah. Poseidon will kill you. And then the seagulls will eat you from your insides. And and it's like that whole like pacing. I was like, wow, somebody wrote that. That's like and he like writes in. Um, what is that? It's like poetry. People will know this. It's it's the rhythm of like a poetry of a poem. It's something, something. I forget what it's called. It beats called. me. Uh, you uh, know more than me. <laughs> I, 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 I am 
I have no idea. But anyway, people would know what I mean. But it's like written to like a B. And like sometimes he rhymed. And it, it was like theatrical in a way. And especially that it's just like the shadow play as you're delivering these lines. And I'm like, damn, that was like, that's like theater. Well, and it's even better is that that whole like cursing scene came from it, it originated from a petty argument they had while drunk. Yeah. Which I thought was really an interesting way to uh, kind of come back from it because they they got drunk and uh, or that's the scene. They got drunk and then uh, Robert Pattinson's like, oh, your cooking sucks. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah and then yeah. and then uh, Will Nafo's like, no, we'll at least say you like my lobster. And he like really and you could I just love the performance by both of them, but specifically Defoe. And then he's just like, oh, damn you. And then he goes up in this big, like, long-winded monologue. And then they cut it with, all right, like, I like your cooking. Which, actually, I knew that I knew that's how they are going to end that beat. I was like, that's how it's going to be like, okay, I like your cooking. It's okay. Like, but I did, I did, I did appreciate that scene. And there are a lot of other ones like it as well. But. Yeah, and I, and I really liked even, and I think this is just speaks to the the script and the direction and the acting itself. Like when I couldn't understand, like in the beginning of the film, I had, I couldn't understand really what they were saying on my first going, but, but I understood but that we were building tension between the two well, characters. Well, there's also always like one line that will like kind of re-explain like that will like summarize what you just listened to. It's like, Oh, like when they're saying they were talking about something in the beginning. And then like, I was like, what are they talking about? And then Willem Dafoe's like, I take, I take the, the morning, you take the night. That's it, and I'm like, oh, that's what they were talking about. Because I have no, I had no idea. So that specific scene, they were. Ta- he, I caught it the second time, is that they were talking about uh, like the lighthouse, like maintaining the light. And he's like, oh, we should, we like the manual says we take alternate shifts. And then Defoe said, no, I take the night, and I, I, yeah, I take, when, I take the night to morning, which is when the light is active. Yeah, yeah. And I also took that as like, you're gonna be doing all the shit work. Just yeah, the light. I took that. Yeah, I took that. That's what that meant. Thus, as well. building tension between the two characters and resentment between Robert Pattinson and Defoe. And I like how they kind of inevitably kind of start as they think that their shift is or their time is coming down and they're going to be relieved. They kind of form this this friendship of just like, oh, whatever. You've been kicking my ass, but we're all like, like to bat, like we're like you're a good bastard. I'll meet. I'm, I'll see you later. But then, then that's the that's the time jump where it's like. Oh yeah, we're just gonna go. Uh, like we're this is our last night. Cheers! And then it's like we've been here for like three weeks and like like three more weeks, and we've been stranded. Which I actually thought because I remember seeing the boat, or not the boat, the the head in the trailer, like that that decapitated head. I was like, oh, that means the boat sank, and that they just like found a guy washed up or something. That's what I thought that was gonna mean. But it didn't. But well, I mean, that that's an interesting I'll, thing as well. I was like, oh, the boat just sank in the storm. Well, that's an interesting thing as well because I want to talk. So let's talk about the whole uh, the themes of the seagulls and like what it represents in this lo- in the lore of this film. So, and it's in the trailers. When it was, so he's having pro- like these gulls are kind of like taunting him. Uh, Robert Pattinson's, Pattinson's character, and you know, Willem Dafoe says, "Don't." Don't even spar with the gulls. Leave them be. Like it's the it's the ghost. It's the seagulls are like the ghosts of of sailors who have met their end in the in or met their ends and fate in the seas. And it's bad luck to kill a gull. 
So we have these gulls taunting Robert Pattinson, keeping up at night, standing in his way while he's working, uh, like ripping his pants, getting to like quote unquote altercations with him. When, and one thing I noticed when he is painting the lighthouse and falls and the seagull is ripping his pants, I, I may have been seeing this, but I think the seagull had one eye. Did somebody have one eye? Yeah, the the the, the guy's head in the in the um, oh. so and then so oh. he had one eye. Oh, the I seagull had. Like if if I think he, if if I'm if I saw it correctly, the seagull had one eye. And then at the very end of the film, that Prometheus illusion, Robert Pattinson has one eye as well. Yeah. So I think there's and and we'll get to the very end as well. Well, actually, we'll get to it now because. I and I know we're jumping around, but it, it ties into the whole theme of, of the gulls. In that, I feel like the ending of the film. Or should we wait a little bit? Maybe talk care. about the end. Yeah, we'll talk about the end at the very end because that that whole segment is a thing in itself. But yeah, I just really liked the pacing of the script in itself, and and in both how it's trying to get the themes and the symbols across. But also just the slow, like you said, almost Shakespearean accounting of information th- and the slow, steady release that is contributing th- to the slow burn of the film. I mean, I think also with the pacing, the only time I ever recognized music was the the first and last scene. I don't know if that's that's not including them singing, but in terms of like, uh, well, just like music, like I, like that didn't originate from them. I, I only noticed it, which is that awesome intro song, which I really like. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, like, the Hateful Eights. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, the very end, when it's, like, pretty much when, after the Willem Dafoe becomes a dog, and, like, that whole confrontation, and, like, whenever he goes up into the lighthouse. Like, I, I think those are the only, the first and last scenes are when there's music. I don't know. I, I just thought I recognized that, but maybe I could be wrong. So let's get into. I mean, I know we've been talking about the performance a little bit, but let's let's talk about our two leads. Really, um, I think Willem Dafoe is definitely going to get an Oscar nomination, if not a win, for the supporting uh, the supporting role in this film. Because yeah, he was he, amazing. This this is like everyone's been talking. I mean, well, people have been talking about this is career best Willem Dafoe. I totally he's agree. always he's always been great though. And he, and he always seems to top himself. And the, but this is one of those, and for both of them, but mostly to folks, I think he was perfect all the way through. Pattinson, especially in his accent, went here out. And it was all it over like, the place. Yeah, okay, especially okay. at one point, his accent, like, his accent changed a lot. But I, obviously, that's intentional. But okay, I noticed that. I was like, his accent is all over the place. But I mean, that makes sense. But. So I was like, oh, why does that, that make sense? Well, it reflects it like his constant, likely we don't his identity is constantly changing. So with that, that's true. I, that's what I was like. Oh, well, he's a liar. So we don't actually know anything about him. Everything about him is kind of like multiple choice where he has like four different backstories and they're all they're all different than the other one. So I just took like his. I noticed like that little ping in my ear. I was like, his accent is completely different. Well, because he goes from like New York to Boston to I don't even know Maine, and, and definitely like, Boston. Even his, and even his and, voice like, changes, like his inflections, especially when he's drinking, because the the infusion of alcohols when 
when things really start to go awry for all for both of these Which they characters. had they had a long conversation about that and I was like that's important but I didn't understand really what they were saying. I don't really remember. What, what do you mean they had a long They had a conversation way. about like why when he doesn't cheers and he pours out the booze and they have a conversation like what what alcohol does to people. Oh yeah. And Bart Pences is drunk but Willem Dafoe says a lot of other things that I can't remember. Yeah, so I think yeah, Willem Dafoe obviously did such an amazing job. Even his like the physical stuff like when he's getting buried at the end and he's yeah. just giving this monologue and he's like just shut shutting his eyes getting dirt in his mouth and he's just delivering this yeah this was, very poignant monologue like his, his closing monologue i was like damn oh, that's pretty i was like oh, that's really impressive that's really good and also kudos to both of these actors and like the production crew because they built this set in nova scotia and they were filming in like storms and they were getting everyone like wet and cold and tired. And, but they, everyone just like trucked through and were war- and, like just like troopers about it. And you could really like feel the misery of the actors. Yeah, you totally could. Especially when like everything's just raining down on them. Like the house is falling apart, the rain is getting all over them. I, uh, yeah, I really liked, I just, I thought all the, well, the all, all two of the performances were really spectacular and something just it, this is what happens when you have a director that knows what they're doing with two very two professional actors and it's also great to see robert pattinson breaking from that twilight harry potter He's been doing that for years no though. i know but like i think this definitely like solidifies it well no yeah that was solidified years ago that, i don't know that I, shit harry potter and twilight was like 10 years ago yeah he's, well, been, he's been solidifying himself as like up, uh, uh, an A-lister for a while, like yeah. at, le- at least like four years. Well, it just to me, this is what I was like. Okay, this is this is what's gonna solid. Like this to me, in my personal opinion, solidifies him. Like okay, like I knew he was a good actor, but I was waiting for like the perfect role for him. And to me, this was it. Um, and Willem Dafoe obviously was just spectacular throughout the whole thing. So yeah, and then let's talk about the cinematography, like. I'm very curious to see, because they shot this on 35mm, that's how we get our aspect ratio, like 1 to 4 to 1 or something like that, when we have the black bars on the side. So, which I really did like, it really which set it, that I mean, claustrophobic The claustrophobic well. atmosphere, but also, I didn't really notice it just because of the black and white and all the contrasted images. Uh, but the start, the stark contrast between the images. I honestly forgot, like midway through the movie, that it was in that half, aspect half ratio. Of the fr- half of the borders are black anyway, so it, like it kind of just blends in anyway. But you know, really, I I liked how it set that like kind of almost claustrophobic. But also, it's like a, it's like every, literally like almost every frame in this movie is like a painting. Like you could literally screenshot almost every single frame in this movie. And you could hang it on your wall. I guarantee you could. Yeah, no. And that's what I was thinking. I thought the exact same thing. I'm like, hmm, I wonder uh, what background I'm going to use from this movie when I can get it on, like, DVD or something or or when they release production stills. What's going to be my, like, background on my my, um, computer? Not because, like, this is my, like, new favorite film or anything, but... It's just like it you just, said. God damn, does it look good? Like it could, like each frame or each set piece could be an art or like I, an artist rendition, I, which I, they did I mean, use. I in mean, the, like quite literally, probably every frame in this movie you could hang up. And it's also authentic because they did. So the witch, they were saying that they were having issues, not issues, 
but it was a little bit harder to research because it was from the 1600s. But here, since it's from the like mid to late 1800s, they yeah, I was going to say, was it like 1880 or something? Yeah, probably. I, I, I mean, I, mean, I don't know. I'm just saying. It seemed like in the 1880s, 1890s. Yeah, late 1800s. But they have images and pictures and journals and logs and books about this period and of these, like the men that did this type of work. So it was a lot easier to recreate things. So they did, they built that, like the lighthouse and it's set entirely. Yeah, I'm, yeah, it looked like it. Like on just, looks like a, a beachy island on, in Nova Scotia. Yeah, you could, yeah, you could tell, I'm like, oh, they, they built all that. But it felt lived in too. Oh, no, definitely. Which was also super impressive to me. Like they were able to build something from scratch and make it feel like it's been standing there for like 60 a, years. Was this A24? Yep. Oh, I love A24. And, the, and, and uh, I was talking to uh, Andrew, our, our buddy Andrew, and he was saying that he was reading an article that said this is A24's least accessible horror film. I wouldn't really classify this as a horror film, but it yes. is definitely one of the like, least accessible, I would say. Like, like, you have to go in. What do you mean, like, least accessible? As in, like, it's it's not straightforward. Oh, yeah, but that's fine. No, I know, but I'm like that's saying a lot, especially with like all of Ari Aster's work and and Actually, everything that's else. A good point, at least with in terms of uh, Midsummer. Yeah, I was in, and that's what I when I was on the phone with him, I even said it's even even less. Well, not that Midsummer is isn't accessible, but that's kind of saying a lot when you're saying that the lighthouse is least accessible than that. One. And I because actually I would just, agree. I would agree that. Oh, I would too. Yeah. Because at least after Midsommar, we could kind of, we had a a very similar conversation, but we at least were able to piece things together after, well, my second viewing, but your first viewing. But here requires multiple viewings to to pick apart different things. It's like a very intricate painting that you're trying to just, like each time you look at it, you're just looking at one detail. And then the next time you're looking at another detail and another and another until you form a semblance of something yeah. so uh but let's kind of get into the ending of the film i know seems like we don't really know what to say and i think we want to re- definitely return to this film uh after vod and we can and and more <laughs> we we contribute to some analysis of the film but let's talk about the ending so we kind of briefly talked about it i was saying more with the gulls so our very end of the film uh, Robert Pattinson um, and Willem Dafoe, I guess they just, they, they have like the fight to end all fights with this relationship. Uh, Robert Pattinson changes that power dynamic throughout the whole film. Now he's finally the alpha, making it pretty literal with the dog. I thought we were going to get like a rape scene in there because there's definitely this homoerotic tone between the two characters, which makes sense because they're... Like they're lost, they're they're stranded at this lighthouse in the middle of the sea for months on ends. Uh, they're talking about you know they're they're swapping stories with you know women and or at least Willem Dafoe is. Uh, Rob or Robert Pattinson is jacking off to a statuette of a mermaid, and also having visions of I guess having sex with a mermaid. A very very uh, I don't understand it all, but maybe that's just like a reference that I'm not understanding. Yeah. Maybe it maybe just ties into the lore. But I just didn't understand anything to do with the mermaid. But yeah. I, it was cool. It was a cool visual. Not him having sex with it. It was like that first scene when he was like went in the water and she like the mermaid was, was like, wow, that's a cool visual. But 
Yeah, I didn't really understand the whole idea with that. But either way, getting back, so um, so we change it that te- that power dynamic switches very after we get a very uh, after Willem Dafoe kind of becomes I thought like Neptune or like a Kraken monster. Yeah, and well, in, in that in that uh, like that visual like I guess hallucination I or whatever. I still don't understand either as well for my first viewing. But anyway, I'm not supposed to. I'm, I don't think I'm obviously supposed to. But. So and then he throws him into uh, Robert Pattinson, leads him outside, throws him into this um, into the into the pit where the other booze was hidden takes the keys goes after and then kills him goes upstairs opens the lighthouse and we get this it reminded me so much of space odyssey oh my god yeah like okay. when i'm like he's looking in the la- he's looking in the um the uh the, the uh, what is it the like the obelisk the or, monolith like the monolith yeah he's looking at the monolith oh, yeah, right no, now. i totally got a 2001 vibe uh well even with like the like the chimes in the background and then it this the light slowly fades or turns to him stops opens the door i really liked how his scream started becoming distorted oh yeah no that was that's the one thing that really like when i saw that yesterday i was like oh yeah i really like that yeah but like because it, it was just so guttural even like you could see down his throat as well, he's screaming and then it's like the image is being more saturated which also evoked uh the 2001 imagery but like it, it was just like really interesting and like cool and it was in your and it really is like what the hell is going on here well, and we also get this sudden shift of like he fought, like the whole movie's like get, let me go to the light let me go to the light he even starts to beg Willem Dafoe at one point this is like kind of what sparks that the big fight is that he's like nope you're done and he sees the light and he's kind of beckoning towards it and then there's a shift that occurs where he is like really driven 110% to madness by the light and then uh, he's just screaming and then he falls down into the light or uh, into the lighthouse rolls down the stairs and then we fade and we probably get one of the most interesting visuals of the film I would say in that it's it's and this is the illusion of Prometheus uh, I'm sure there's others that I completely missed but Robert Pattinson is laying down among the rocks. Lighthouse is not seen, and I have a theory about this too. Um, he's laying among the rocks. His eye is gorged out, and we have seagulls picking at his intestines, or I'm thinking liver. The tie it back to Prometheus. Yeah, so the Prometheus so the Prometheus so Prometheus in Greek lore introduced fire to man, and he wasn't supposed to do that. So his punishment for doing so was to be chained to a rock and have a raven pick at his liver for all eternity and his liver would grow back so that and that's like a very like cliff notes version of that of prometheus but that's what this is evoking he's laying among the rocks in pain like eternal pain while seagulls of dead sailors whom he killed one of them who i i I guess if you want to tie back to the uh the 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 second the ex ex uh, second hand who Rob Patton says oh you killed him who had one eye for killing that gull this is his you know torture for all of eternity for doing that because as we fade away there's no lighthouse but it's a very but everything is light it's not fog but it's just like a very distant light and I'm thinking that okay he is like essentially in the deadlights right now like he is he is completely 
wrapped in the madness of the light that this is where he'll stay. He kind of got what he wanted. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's where we fade out. So, and then you could go into the folklore of the film. And, and I guess you want to say like, if this is a, like the story that a sailors would tell each other, it's like kind of warning about the madness of the light or like cabin fever. And then the film ends. So what do we, what do you have to think about this, this whole ending? Uh, wait, did you, how'd you know about the Prometheus thing? Did you, uh... Well, I, well, I know, that's, like, the one story that I know, pretty much, or, like, that I know well enough, so, I, and, and, and I just, and then I looked, and then as I was looking at the, um, Reddit discussions, it just solidified that. Okay. Like, okay, this is Prometheus, oh, and he also mentioned it in an interview that I read. There's a, there's one other greek story which i don't remember it's another one that begins with a p but it, it's about um this greek uh god or per- person who's just forever doing the same task over and over and over and over again which in the lighthouse that's what they're doing is the same shit over and over and over again what so is so is introducing fires have anything to do with your analysis well i mean i guess light and fire that's what I'm saying. I mean, like the, obviously the light the lighthouse brings about light and light fire which is another thing I thought he was going to burn down the lighthouse because in the beginning yeah, when, he, like, when oh. he brought up the drum he said oh you want to burn down the lighthouse I'm like alright they're setting up the gun like uh, yeah, there's a Chekhov's gun I thought for whatever reason I thought he was going to like drink gas and like eat a cigarette or not eat it you know what I mean light I himself saw, on fire yeah or like light Willem Dafoe's body on fire and then kind of just hang out in the lighthouse or something but oh speaking of Willem Dafoe I did like that one visual where, like, he turned him, Robert Pattinson turned himself over and then saw Willem Dafoe, like, naked as, like, a lighthouse. Yeah, which I was like, this has, and, like, their that pose, he, I was like, this has to be, like, an image, like, a kinda, famous image or something. It kind of looked like Atlas. Like Atlas oh, like, yeah. Holding like, the world on his shoulders. Yeah, that's what it kind of looked like. That's what I thought. But I don't, I don't know. But... It was definitely like very Renaissance. It kind of reminded me of that one visual from. Uh, it's gonna be weird, but the uh, house that Jack built yeah, at the very like, end when they're on the hell. boat and stuff. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's a Renaissance painting. I don't know what it is though. Well, I know, but it it, it evokes that same feeling. It's, but but that image of the lighthouse or the light coming from his forehead. But yeah. So what did you have to think about the whole? You know, seeing the light and then you know being picked to death by girls. honestly, dude, I had no, I have no idea. Like, I have like no idea what it means, so I can't, and I can't necessarily say yet. That's why I need to watch it again. I need to like digest it. This is like what good movies do. It's like you you come out of the of the experience and you're like, I have no idea what that means, but I know it means something, and the tale of like a good filmmaker is like, well, I got to watch it again and I got to digest what's going on and I got to read and I got to like do a little more homework and not every movie should be made like that, but like every good movie is made like that. It's like, it's not, not all good movies are made like that, but all good movies have all movies made like that are good. Does that make sense? Yeah. I see what you're, I'm picking out what you're putting down. Like I have no idea what to make of the ending. And, but I know I want to, like, for me to figure it out by, like, watching it again and digesting it and, like, reading about it, you know? And, yeah. like, joining discussions and just talking about it with people, kind of like what we're doing now. 
Yeah, so that kind of wraps up like the whole movie. Let's get into our closing thoughts, Brian. Let's. How about you can go first with your closing thoughts of the movie, and then you can give your uh, star rating out of ten. So I, uh, it's a great film, and worth th- the wait, worth the hype. Yeah, I know definitely it was it was worth it. Um, def uh, every it just has everything like not only like I mentioned before, it's every single every frame like a picture like a painting that is worth just watching in, in and of itself if you're like a style over substance person check it out not saying this film is style over substance because it's not but if you just like wanted to like not even pay attention to the story and you just wanted to watch just like a cool looking movie check it out uh but the story i can tell it's like so multi-layered and so in inter- in and in, in multifaceted that there's so much there to unpack uh that that too is also a reason to just give it a watch acting is superb the the few music scenes in it are great the cinematography is amazing um it's not like obviously it's not my favorite movie i, I know i've been giving it high praise but i do want to say it's not like it like because it didn't it didn't exactly blow my mind but it definitely wowed me so, I mean, I guess with that being said, I would probably want to give it a 9 out of 10. And then, would I recommend it to my girlfriend? Maybe. If I if I know enough about it, until I get to that point where I would be, like, able to kind of, like, help guide her through it afterwards, yeah. But, like, I'm actually glad I saw it first, uh, just so I can kind of get, like, a handle on it before everything else, you know? Uh-huh. So... Yeah, I'm gonna echo a lot of what you just said. I mean, it's very, it's in a very engrossing film. Uh, I was never, I never found myself bored in either watching. Um, I think more, uh, yeah, I never. If, like, if I had a remote control of this, I wouldn't hit it again. And, like, I wouldn't hit the like fast forward. So, yeah, I, the performances are superb. The cinematography, like you said, every frame of painting. And it makes me just really excited to see what um, this director yeah, and his brother next. can oh do God. next. Like the sophomore effort was great, and you can't. You, and there's some directors that we can say that that uh, isn't necessarily the case. That they made good efforts, but it, it falls slightly short. I think I definitely think this is a little bit. It's there's something more here than the witch. Uh, the, I think the witch is a, it, you can follow that a little bit more. It's a little bit more. It's way more accessible than this film. Yeah. But I really enjoyed this, and I love, I love the aspect that I have to pick apart this. It's like it's like a puzzle that I want to solve. Do we have some? We have. Well, keep going. Sorry. Well, that was it. I mean, so I would give this. Uh, I'm gonna give it an eight out of ten, but I definitely want to return to this hopefully in the near future when it comes out on VOD and, and more discussions have been had and analysis and that we can, you know, and that might go up after I have a better understanding of the movie. But for right now with my like initial thoughts, I want to give this an eight out of 10, but totally go see this movie in theaters. Oh yeah. And I was definitely just going to say like, what an exciting time we're in right now for like filmmakers, like just in my head, like just like we we're like living in an age where like, Guys like Ari Aster, now like Robert Eggers is on that list, like Damien Chazelle. Barry Jenkins. Barry Jenkins. Uh, uh, I mean, I'm just trying to think of like younger guys. They're definitely there. Uh, I mean, those, 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 that, that handful is just coming to mind right now. But like, they, like we're in like this new era of like filmmakers and they're like killing it. 
and they're doing great. And do and like there's even more stuff with like the indie scene looking great. And uh, and and now we're now we're in this like transition, more emphasis on like streaming and stuff, uh, which I think is fine. I think it's actually I encourage it. No, I but, love streaming. We'll have an episode about talking about streaming one day, maybe. Well, because I have I have a lot of opinions about streaming. Well, I think it's yeah. We'll definitely like have an episode. positive, positive. Well, yeah, no, definitely a lot of positives. It's interesting because like I think now we're entering the age where like filmmakers are. It's like I I don't know if I've said this on the show before where this going on a brief tangent where it's like so Tarantino and like Kevin Smith and Paul Thomas Anderson were like the video store generation and you get the guys like the guys I just mentioned who were I guess like the 90s coming up video store but also like DVDs and and like more physical media and now we're like entering the stage of like the streaming era where guy like people like me and you mike are are like products of the streaming age in terms of like film literacy and i think it's just way more accessibility and like that is like where where we're able to like consume our media whereas like tarantino did it in a video store we're doing it in touch with button and to add on to that i think the streaming like generation and, and streaming platforms gives more power to the filmmaker and less to the studio, which is why I think studios and old filmmakers like Spielberg and Lynch, among many reasons, but I think that's why they're so adamantly against it, because these people are losing control over filmmakers. Well, I think also it does some of what they say I agree with in terms of like watching films in a theater environment is like incredibly important. Because like honestly, I'm so glad I saw the lighthouse like a film like the lighthouse in a theater where it's supposed to be shot like where it's supposed to be seen like this is this is the best format it's the right format to watch it in because like i will say it does lose a little bit of its grandiosity if i just watch it on my phone but at the same time i still encourage watching shit on your phone well We'll, we'll we'll hold it at that just so yeah, we don't get too off yeah, because this is of, yeah this, this is, is a conversation that we could talk for like f- hours and hours yeah, on. And so maybe we'll have we a con- we'll have a our own episode about it but yeah so you heard it from here nine out of ten from brian eight out of ten from mike uh i'm hoping this goes up once i under- better understand the film but yeah so that concludes our episode about the lighthouse so thanks for joining us for this episode Everyone, you can follow us on Twitter at AltoursPod, or you can email us with uh, comments, questions, or concerns at the Podcast at gmail.com. Also, please leave a rating and review on whatever you listen to the show on. It's much appreciated. But that, guys, thanks again, and we'll see you next time.